Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. All right, we're good. <laughs> um, yeah, so she makes up names now, and I have her like name horses whenever I play Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like, Maddie does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what should I name this horse? And <laughs> and a lot of times they're just like sounds. Like we're gonna name Hokey, Hokey the horse. I'm like, all right, Hokey it is. <laughs> one time, one time she came up with Herless, Herless, and I was like, that's almost like a name, like Herless. <laughs> yeah, okay. I feel like I went to church with a Herless. That's pretty good. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like Pennsylvania Dutchy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she'll name her baby dolls and. You know, and a lot of times it's, you know, this is Cuddle Baby or this is such and such baby. Um, there's one called Glassity. I don't know why, <laughs> but the new one she named yesterday was like a purple, purple Kate number one, something like that. Purple <laughs> Kate number one. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. It sounds like a, sounds like a battalion. Sounds like you're naming a. Uh, a fighter like a fighter jet battalion purple cape number one <laughs> red leader but um, maybe no, she, she's, she's got cia code names filtering I'm, in from a past life or something i'm okay with that <laughs> that's fine with me but uh yeah no the the i i've not been following the the impeachment very closely a little bit um but not very closely yeah, we know. We know what he did. Like we all, <laughs> we all watched it as it happened. Uh, and I don't, I don't need to listen to the the new stuff that we also already know. You know, which is this has been being planned in one form or another for a while. You know, that's I don't need that either. At least in my life, people should definitely watch it. I cannot watch it because the other reason I cannot watch it is because I'm going to kill myself. Like I'm, I'm having heart attacks. You know, as I. As I go back to it, I'm like, God, I can't, I can't take it. I can't do it right now. I'm still recovering. But I know that the, the, uh, I'm interested in any expert opinion on what, where the right is going to go. You know what I mean? Like, so that I have a sense of the future here, particularly if Republicans decide after all this evidence that they're not going to vote to convict Trump. Well, let's be clear. They're not going to. Right. Right. I know that. But I mean, when I, when I watched, I watched a little bit of the uh, opening arguments and I, the, the opening defense for, for Trump was <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it was like, mm, I, I can't see how anybody can vote not to convict after that, mm. but they will. Um, but that that's why I was starting to talk about the sovereign citizen thing. I heard a lot of a lot of rhetoric and a lot of a lot of things that that just remind me of that movement so much. And it's like uh, they're all going to be extremists. <laughs> they're, just, right. they're just they're wrong, but they're they don't care <laughs> and they don't feel like they're uh, accountable to anybody. So, yeah, and I think that that's something. You know, I'm no, I'm no expert on any of that. I'm just, I just think about people and attitudes and stuff. But like what always would bother me about, say, you know, libertarians that I come in contact with 
um, is that I always feel like uh, libertarians, particularly the hardcore kind, the kind that are like, no, no, I'm going to make sure I, I stand by it even when it leads to my death, you know, the, the, wacky, <laughs> the wacky people. What always bothers me about that sort of mentality is, is just how self-evidently untrue it all is. Like, like I am self-sufficient. I can do anything by myself. I own my own me. I, I, you know, I, I am, I am sovereign in and of myself and I am not contingent in any way. Well, that's all, of course, that's all bonkers. Like you did not, you did not drive to work on roads that you built yourself on in cars that you constructed you didn't by yourself even build your own house i'm sure yeah like and even <laughs> if you did even if you did you didn't harvest the you didn't you didn't cut the trees down for the lit for the lumber and even if you did you didn't make the trees from nothing like like, <laughs> like, like we can just sort of keep going back like and, and it, it's silly i find it to be on one hand like just folks just missing something very obvious which is where we all kind of rely on each other and we all need each other in one form or another and that's not a that that in and of itself is not a freeloading thing that's not like a oh you're just trying to be a parasite on government teat like no I, we're, <laughs> we're we're human beings and we rely on each other like it's the only way that's true of everything like there is no such thing evolutionary speaking of the one singular human being that made it like like that's not, <laughs> not how it works you know human beings evolved because we cooperated with each other like that's the answer like uh, otherwise there'd be no hunting there'd be no <laughs> mammoth that we'd kill you know like like it would just be we'd all die but uh we'd be still sitting in trees eating bananas that's <laughs> right and that'll be it that would be it i i just i just find it also I find it so silly. I find it so silly. We should we should definitely um, dive into it more, particularly uh, maybe not today with this podcast, but particularly um, how you've seen it kind of unfold in the prison, because that's been that's been one of the the big feedbacks of this last episode that just came out, where people yeah. were like more prison all the time, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll talk to Matt more about the prison, you know. And I think yeah. this week, I, I, did you get an opportunity to listen to the albums that I gave you? I have not. That's so, so <laughs> I just haven't just because of reading. Yeah. It, on, yeah. It's it's something that I plan on doing. Um, I think I can probably do it for sure for next week to like talk about those. Well, I don't want to give you another assignment or anything. No, it <laughs> won't be another. It, it, it's a commitment. It's something that I want to do and something that, that I will do. Um, we can talk about my albums this week if you want, and then we can the albums next week. I'm fine with that too. Yeah, because um, I listened to both your albums. Well, I'd love to talk to you about them. Have you heard uh, of? Uh, I think it's Semler. You hear? Do you know that name? No, it's not ringing a bell. He so, didn't play at the Super Bowl, did he? No, no, that's the weekend. <laughs> I had to look that up. I, I had to, was it that guy? No, it wasn't him. I had to, I had to look that up. Semler. So Semler is like a like a solo artist. She's um, a millennial singer songwriter kind of a woman. And Semler is her like stage name, her musician name. And she uh, a couple of actually I think at just the beginning of this week put, put out an album 
a uh, called Preacher's Kid, and it's a like a it's a Christian album. It's this Christian kind of folk rock album, and it's number one on the Christian charts, and it's about being a gay Christian, and it's about uh, um, you know like doubt and hating the church and and like all this stuff i listen to some of it it's okay it's not really my thing i'm not a i, I listen to some like folk music but like th this is not super duper my thing but it's not bad like i don't listen to it and i go wow she sucks like she's fine she's it's just not my thing it's got like a parental advisory label on it like like <laughs> Ooh, I, I know and and it was and it's a christian album it's marketed as a christian album she dropped it on itunes as a christian album and it's been number one now for, I guess it's been more than a couple of days. It's been number one, I just read for two weeks. So it's been out for a few weeks. Um, and people are losing their minds, like in the Christian music world. Yeah. Because uh, that's like a, you, know, you can't, can't do that, you know? Like, oh, so they're losing their minds in a negative way, not like fanboying on it. Well, well, a ton of people are fanboying on it. It's more like it's more like uh, the Christian thought leaders, like the evangelical, like like megachurch pastors and and the people executives. that have been filling people's head with bullshit for so long that they're afraid that they might be exposed for being the liars that they are. Yeah, they're freaking out. <laughs> they're the ones freaking out. Like like obviously the people who are buying and downloading the record are like many of them are probably not consumer typical consumers of christian music just because of this is going like who is this like wow that's that's i just heard about this right but like christianity today Commonweal, these are like uh relatively popular kind of like christian music and christian culture magazines um are like doing stories on her you know and and have uh since the trump era some of these christians since trump took office some of these magazines and periodicals in the christian world have um made decisions to not back trump like like have made this have kind of had their come to jesus moment and are like ah uh, no i think that maybe we need to rethink all of this and and so a lot of those magazines now are kind of free of like um southern baptist donors right like they're their, their revenue streams are very different now over the, than they were four years ago. And so you've got uh, some of these relatively contemporary mainstream publications in the Christian world, like covering her and, and are like, wow, this is so different, you know, and it's, and it's really, it, it's, it's really different from like a Christian music standpoint, because for so long, the, the Christian music world is one of the primary ways well, the popular Christian music world. There's always the the Christian underground, you know, that I listen to a little bit. The Christian metal, <laughs> you know, the, the stuff you'd be like, "This is garbage," <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, but I listened to it, and that's what I had." <laughs> and it wasn't all garbage, but like, but like a lot of like the contemporary Christian mainstream music is one of the vehicles of control, right? Like that. That's a. I have a friend in. Who's, who's a master's student at UVA, who that's what she studies. She studies contemporary Christian music and it's uh, over the last 40 years and, and the way it has been used to control women and control families and, and sort of as a propaganda machine. And so now 
that's what makes Semler's number one album so scary because this is a non-engineered number one album, right? Like this is, this is purely by word of mouth, purely by content has become number one on the Christian charts, uh, which is huge. Like that's, that's massive. That's massive. No um, Christian music record machine was behind it. Because all those record machines are funded by like the Joel Olsteins of the world and are right. funded by all those guys. None of that. It's, it's purely word of mouth. And so it's this huge deal. It's massive, you know, and she swears on the album and, you know, talks about like getting thrown out to church for being gay. And, you know, there's this really interesting line where she talks about uh, at asking her dad if he's ever smoked a cigarette. He's, have you ever smoked a cigarette, dad? And he's like, yeah, no, never smoked a cigarette. And he's never, never swore in my life. And she's like, wow, I must be fucking going right to hell. <laughs> so I, what was the line? She's like, since I passed blunts at my, at me and my wife's wedding, you know, <laughs> like, must be, must be over for me. But like, that's like track number one, you know? And, and then yeah. that song is about her, uh, claiming that she's still a child of God doesn't matter. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Really interesting stuff. Really interesting. Yeah. Not my thing, but a definitely an interesting uh, thing happening. She in the interview, she was like, "I've game stopped the Christian music industry," <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh. I was like, "Good job, Semler. Good job." Yeah. It, isn't it? Isn't it funny how things change whenever the corporate entities get involved? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says beans while the little guy's getting screwed, but once a, once a corporate entity starts losing money and decides they're going to retract their their donations, boy, Fox News changes their tune real quick, or the like Christian the Christian music industry changes their tune real quick whenever <laughs> whenever their money's being threatened. You, you are right. You are right. That's some, that the. I'm glad you brought up the. The other, um, not Dominion, but the other, um, Smartmatic, Smartmatic. That's right. The the other uh, company that does voting machines, you know, suing Fox News for two point seven billion dollars. Yeah, with a B. With a B, and so they're like, <laughs> "We're firing Lou Dobbs." <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Colbert said something like that. Colbert's like, uh. uh News, it was on Newsmax after after Newsmax got in trouble and and had to like retract everything. Uh, Colbert was like, "We here at Newsmax want to keep some of our money." <laughs> you know? like, well, it was right. it was funny to me. I watched a, a clip about uh, one of the uh, one of the Newsmax anchors was interviewing the the My Pillow guy mike Lindell. yeah I saw, I saw that clip and he like he was like we can't say that we can't do that he's like trying to get him off the subject of the dominion voting machines and he just right. he just got up and left he just got up and walked away it's like yeah, what do you my do? god why can't more people just do that just get up and walk away it's crazy when people start saying crazy shit just get up and walk away man that's exactly right i just watched uh i like saturday night live beth and i'll watch saturday night live yeah. Even though, even though it makes me depressed, it's been making me depressed for the last couple of years because they keep trying to make fun of Trump. But as Trump gets scarier and scarier, like it, like or was getting scary, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's guys, it's not really not that funny. Like this is getting <laughs> really out of hand. Um, but I was watching some older, like in the Trump era clips of Saturday Night Live, and 
Pete Davidson is uh, one of the guys on Saturday Night Live. And he's he's he, I think he's really funny. But Pete Davidson's thing is is often that he just plays himself because he's he's kind of like an like a modern Adam Sandler from the 80s, sort of like Adam yeah. Sandler played characters. But a lot of times, like a lot of the sketches everybody remembers Adam Sandler in and Saturday Night Live are just when he's like, hey, you know, he's, he's just himself. <laughs> And so Pete Davidson does this recurring bit where he comes out on their their fake news show, their weekend update show, like sketch. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago in the Trump presidency, Kanye West was the was the guy was the was the guy they had to do the the music. And this is and Kanye West had his MAGA hat on like the whole show, like like. I was super creepy to everybody backstage. Everybody was real professional and really trying to do it. And, and then at the end of the show, after it, it, you know, the, the credits are rolling, they're all out on stage, like hugging and waving goodbye. And Kanye grabs a mic and delivers this kind of borderline insane speech, you know, like prompting everybody to follow Trump. Like, like it, it was this kind of insane thing. And so the next Saturday they had Pete Davidson come on to talk about it. And Pete Davidson is like, well, you know, I'm mentally ill, you know, and, and, and so I think I can speak. I think I can speak for Kanye here. Like, like you know, Kanye, take the meds, you know. <laughs> Kanye said something like, Kanye said something like in the speech, this is the real Kanye. You're getting the real Kanye. I'm off the meds. And Pete's like, hey, man, if I ever walk onto a, onto an airplane and the, and the pilot said, I just want everybody to know this is the real me flying today. I'm getting the hell off the airplane. Just take the meds. It's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. But uh, they show this. He shows the clip of the of him taking the mic and starting to talk. You know, from the week before. And Pete Davidson's like, I need you to know. I need you to sit, see this clip. And he shows the clip, and then he circles like as on as like a like a football thing. You know, when they circle on the play and stuff. Yeah. Their circle comes up to show Pete Davidson. Fucking leaving the stage. <laughs> Kanye starts talking to Pete Davidson's like, fuck, you know, and he's like, why did I leave? Well, I want a career. Like, I was trying to get the hell out of here. And Pete Davidson just walks the hell off stage. Oh, I love that um, stuff. So, uh, so the album. So, so listeners, Matt and I have been talking for a couple of weeks now about doing. Uh, uh, episodes about music and I think I would like this to be a somewhat recurring thing because I, I, I don't get a chance to talk a ton about music. Matt's one of the the, the handful of friends of mine. I, I have some friends. I don't have a lot of friends but he's one of the handful of friends of mine that I recurringly talk music with and so I'd like to uh, at certain episodes uh, go talk about music and albums and stuff like that. Matt has given me albums to listen to that I have not gotten to, but I'm hoping that could be for the next episode where we talk about the albums uh, um, that Matt has given me to listen to. But but Matt, what was the what is the prompt of this uh, album listen episode? Like, what were the? You, this isn't necessarily our favorite records, but but these these records are are what to us? These records remember? are are influential to you so what they what they've done is they've changed the way that you actually think about life or think about art or think about politics whatever whatever the case may be they have to have had some sort of influence on you that changed or maybe even reinforced your thinking 
the two albums that I gave you have been really influential in my life. They're not, they're, like I said, if I was stuck on an island, those wouldn't necessarily be the, the album, the one album that I would take. But they, they, they definitely had an impact on me. And it's kind of a chicken and egg sort of situation. I'm not sure if it's they impacted me because of what they said or because I felt that way and they reinforced it. I'm not really sure how that sure. developed, but they were instrumental. Whenever I was growing up, I really gravitated toward those two albums. Um, so the, the, the thesis, if you will, was albums of influence. You gave me two albums. One was by the X-Clan. Mm-hmm. And the other one was actually the soundtrack to a, a, was it a play or a movie or both? It was both. It started out as an off-Broadway musical. Uh, so it, it's actually never been on Broadway. It was always sort of, you know, off right. to the and side. And that one was called The Last Five Years. Yes. Yes. So I, I had the opportunity to listen to both of them. What I, what I recognized from them was... Um, it seems like when we say influence, when we use that term influence, you um, are influenced by an artistic story. Um, mm-hmm. These these albums, particularly the last five years, but to a degree, the X Clan as well, um, really tell narratives. Mm-hmm. They're 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 um, not so much saying something specific, uh, universal or ambiguous or in general they're they're talking specifically about a certain situation the x clan while um they they have some universal topics it's really it's really more um each track that i listened to i only listened to that one album i didn't know if there was different albums or whatnot but um they all seem to have a story or a theme contained within them um and they're more narrative in nature than the than the albums that i gave you but go ahead and tell us why those albums were so influential to you absolutely so i could choose i I, well i there are a lot of albums that i think fit the prompt for me in certain ways like i remember you said you were surprised when i didn't give you the first rage against the machine record (laughs) which which i understand like like (laughs) i think that rage against the machine is one of those bands for me that has yet to do anything incorrectly like like (laughs) good job rage it's perfect again you know you did it again um but uh but but i can't the reason why i didn't give the rage against machine record was because i started listening to rage against the machine uh after i had already been radicalized (laughs) (laughs) and so so it's hard for me to say that rate that that uh that a rage record like is on that fits that you know what i mean i think it's emblematic of a lot of things that i like plus i like the way it sounds um but but that's well that's a key thing. component as well. I mean, you're, it's very difficult to be influenced by something that you just don't like. So yeah, I mean, you're right. I very much like the music that that the ones that I gave you. I very much like that music, but it just had that additional kind of kick as far as um, a, a lyrical content that uh, really mm. made me think. And I think Rage is along along those lines as well. And Rage for me would be more like a, a reinforcement deal as mm. well. It's not so much that. Um, they taught me anything new, sure. um, but they definitely seem to understand how I feel about things. <laughs> some sure. some things I don't necessarily I agree with everything Zach De La Roche spouts, but um, combined with a really cool track, uh, a really cool beat, uh, a good hook, good, good guitar rhythm, all that stuff, and, and combined, 
and then with the lyrical content on there as kind of a, a, a cherry on the top, if you will, uh, that's what makes a really good album for me. What, what makes a really influential album. So continue. No problem. So, so the first one, the X clan, the X clan is a, a, a hip hop album is a hip hop group. And the album is called to the East black words, uh, which is awesome. Uh, they're a really early 90s uh, hip-hop group. They, uh, and one of the, some of the things that I really like about them, well, I'll say this. So I was first introduced to them when I was in seminary. I took a class my last year of seminary on Black theology and hip-hop. And it was taught by my advisor from seminary, Dr. Doug Poe. Frederick Douglas Poe is his full name. So he's, <laughs> he's a cool guy. And, and he taught this really great class. It was super cool. Nick was in it with me. Like he was, it was really great. And, and basically in this class, we, we read it sort of important. We read, we read some James Cone, who's a really important um, black liberation theologian. He's got a book James Cone does called the spirituals and the blues, where he talks about the role of music in black life and, and makes a claim about blues music as sort of being a secular spiritual and and when and because of that we should sort of see blues music as a uh as holding a, a really important sort of familial place compared to the, the spirituals that they're not different not really like like they're they're in many ways giving voice to a same kind of a thing in black experience in the class, we use that as a framework to kind of talk about hip hop. And, and we sort of made that claim like, well, can we say then that hip hop is something like that? Like, can, can we approach hip hop sort of theologically as, as giving us insight to not only the experience of black people, but, but maybe even the experience of black spirituality or, or the experience of, of black uh, God and black theological imagination. And we read some other cool texts about hip hop and some other things but basically in that class we we listen to the music and we just kind of sit there and we we chat about it or or we'd watch um music videos you know a lot and whatever and the x clan was the first uh one of the first groups that we listened to in that class and i immediately like i'd never really heard anything like it and it actually makes sense why i'd never heard anything like it that's one of the things we've talked about is hip hop is is mainstream hip-hop is designed for white people um you know for kind of from like a record sales perspective right and so and so the hip-hop that white folks consume tends to focus on uh the the kind of sensationalized themes of uh that that we associate you know at least white people sort of associate with hip-hop right like how often does snoop dogg talk about police violence well, I don't know because the radio doesn't play music about police violence. Like, like that's not the idea. Like the idea is that hip hop when it's marketed toward white folks kind of has one face. And when hip hop, as you sort of dive deeper into records or, or deeper into maybe uh, other kinds of, of ways of consuming music has, has a very different um, perspective, right? It has a very different sort of face that brings forward. And the X clan was really was fascinating to me because here is this uh, black nationalist uh, Afro-futurist group from the very early 90s 
who are rapping about um, who are not only rapping about things like police violence and rapping about uh, black power and black pride and, and some of these different things like that, but uh, are also, like you mentioned, pouching this in this really interesting, almost science fiction narrative, right? Afrofuturism right. is so cool as an aesthetic because it, it, it's an aesthetic that sort of imagines uh, a sort of an alternate reality within our, our reality of, of technological, spiritual, interdimensional excellency, you know, among black folks. Listeners, chances are if, you, uh, if you've gone to the movies in the last five years and saw Black Panther, that's, black, that's Afrofuturism. Black Panther <laughs> is Afrofuturism. Wakanda is, 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 that's within the aesthetic, right? Like Wakanda and the technology and stuff like that. That's sort of how that is. And the X-Clan does that. The X-Clan, each member of the X-Clan has their own moniker, Professor X, uh, you know, Brother J, the grand verbalizer, Brother J, Professor X, Overseer, Sugar Shaft, Queen Nefertiti, you know, they're all, they're, they're these interstellar or interdimensional beings that make up the X-Clan. And they come to Earth and they, and they see their sisters and brothers in servitude, you know, in squalor and in, in, as oppressed people on this planet. And, and they see their mission as the X-Clan to, to bring liberation and to bring a new way. One of my favorite tracks on that record, Verbal Milk, where mm -hmm. where brother Jay brother Jay he's the grand verbalizer which is which is basically their way of saying brother Jay is the rapper and and Professor X is the hype man is Flavor Flav of the group right and so brother Jay uh, has this in this song Verbal Milk is all about uh, essentially talking to the 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 black folks of Earth and and delivering this gospel right like this this delivering verbal milk to to his many sons and daughters who he calls it yes yes blue i come on to go we're immortals through the portals through the book fold i'm going blackers to the east tweedle d tweedle dumb feet five come to the tribal drum drum i'm sitting on my temple just plucking silly mortals speaking peace of mind to my many sons and daughters getting loose loose as i release the juice i'm more into the ibis because a simple mother goose can never hang with the words that ever cause the clamor i'm singing raise the flag because i hate the spangled banner speaking peace of mind to my many sons and daughters you know like i love it i love it and they talk about uh their language like their their language of liberation is 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 called music on planet earth and so there's this this kind of fun world within the x clan of well what they're doing to them as these interstellar beings is just not even music it's just talking but to us you know right when we hear it it sounds like this 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 powerful rap this powerful music you know that that's pre presented and i love it like i sit there the first time i listen to that whole record like the first time we listened to the we listened to the first track in class funk and funk and lesson and we finished that track and i looked at dr poe and i was like like after break and i was like i really like that and he was like he was like yeah man <laughs> x-land's awesome like like x-land like he's like you should listen to that whole record ethan the whole record's great and I like, and I sat and had a pipe, you know, in, in, on campus at Wesley in Washington, DC with my headphones. I just listened to the whole record. 
And I was like, okay, yeah. So I, that's that's the X Clan. I love it. I love well, it. one of the things I really liked about it, and, and it's it, the the way that it's crafted with it being like the interstellar beings, they actually get a chance to do their social commentary, but not be necessarily. Um, from that social commentary. What I mean by that is if you listen to a band like um, if you listen to a group like Public Enemy, for example, they're they're talking about much the same themes. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's coming from a very personal, very experiential place. Right. They're talking about themselves, their influences, their experiences. And I mean, it's powerful, but I really like the tack that the X-Clan took where they, they can kind of view everything from above, if you will. And they're, they're, they're spreading the light to, to those that are immersed in this kind of oppression and immersed in this sort of uh, cultural, um, cultural um, strangulation, if you will. Yeah. But, they're, but they're not a part of it. They're, they're outside of it and they are saviors figures. They're bringing the light. And I, I just like the tack that they took because it's, it's unique and it doesn't like, it doesn't copy, if you will. It it's expresses the same sorts of themes and the same sorts of uh, the. It, it invokes the same sort of emotions and the same sort of sort of. Uh, it makes the same sort of points, but it it does it in a really creative and artistic way, and uh, that was what I found so compelling about it. I really like that. That's good. I'm glad. I really am. I uh, I agree. I, I think that 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 gives it a really interesting um, dimension as like a listening experience, right. you know, that, that you're able to kind of sink your teeth, not just into the music, but into the presentation and the medium and, and sort of really sort of dive into the charisma of it. Right. Like in the truest sense of the word, you know, right. People have charisma. Well, what's great about the X clan is that is, is that um, you're supposed to sort of, as you listen, kind of buy it like like yeah it, it, it's entertainment we get it but like you're supposed to sort of buy based on how good of a rapper brother jay is that he is what he says he is like wow this guy might this guy might be an interstellar being you know <laughs> or, or, or how how what professor x when he hypes up throughout throughout the tracks will will invoke um nat turner and will invoke um malcolm there's this, one of my favorite lines is uh uh, when Moses, Malcolm, and Huey are back, you know, and 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 sort of they, these people, um, not just not just uh, recent figures of Black history like Malcolm X and 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 different folks, um, but but they also invoke these like religious prophets and say, right. well, they're one of us. We continue. Which right. I think is fascinating. Like, like I said, I was like, that's, that's cool. You know, like, I have to love it. Oh, Cyrus, Solomon, Jesus. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, all right, okay. Like, and, and like the, the idea when, when Professor X or when Brother J invokes these, these, these people is like, here, they, they, are on, they are on team Black Power, Black Watch. Right. And, and, it, all, like, like and, it, gives, it. and it gives Brother J... And Professor X in immediate authority, 
Yes. Because they 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 have the authority to 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 dispense this sort of knowledge because these other figures from history are the same sorts of beings. So like that they, they put themselves into a position of authority to be able to to spit their rhymes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And and it carries the weight, the same weight that Moses would or that Malcolm X would. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant how they achieve that. I'm very glad. I'm very glad. My, I, uh, it, it, it's still easily uh, one of my favorite records to like listen to, and so I'll, I'll sometimes I'll get into this mood where I'm like, well, I got, I got to listen to to the East Blackwards, and and <laughs> you know, and I'll put it on. I'll be like, yeah, this is this. It, it hits that. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, this will be unless you have more to say on this record. This one, <laughs> one of the last things I'll say about it is, is interesting. Um, my friend Corey, who, who you've met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I introduced Corey to this record. Corey wasn't in this class with me. And so Corey and I will talk about this record a lot. And he's got this really interesting story with about his, him and his sister. So his, his sister, Corey grew up evangelical and his sister uh, it was evangelical a little longer than Corey was. Uh, none of them would consider themselves that anymore. But Corey tells a story of, of having his sister listen to to the East Blackwards for the first time. And uh, they, they'll talk about it. And, uh, and, and, and Corey's sister, her name is Amber. Amber would be, Amber finally said to him, you know what, I think I understand why you prefer this to like Christian music or why you see in this band something um, sort of Christian. And, and he's like, well, what do you think? And she's like, well, they talk about justice and people and liberation and life. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like you got it. That's Michael it. W. Smith doesn't, you know, like, <laughs> the, the mainstream Christian people, like we talked about at the beginning with Semler, the mainstream, that's not on their radar. That's not the point. That's not the point of the Christian music thing is to talk about um, like one of the tracks outrage. It right. is a on the on to the East Blackwards is about a real shooting and riot that happens in New York, you know, when Yusef Hawkins, one a, a black uh, boy, gets killed by police officers, and then there's a riot, and and that track is about that, you know. Professor X says that uh, Yusef were there, you know, like like we're coming, yeah. we're coming to be there to hold the line, and. You dick with a night stick. Here's a night turner lick. Freedom or death. You set to the crossroad. I did. You know, it's a powerful song. Like it's a well put together rap, you know. To somebody like me and to Corey and, and to many others in my life, like that's the kind of stuff that like the gospel goes hand in hand with, right? Right. When an innocent person is murdered like Jesus of Nazareth, you know, <laughs> then, then we're there. Like we got to be there. So. Uh, so the last five years is the second record. I, it took me a little while to decide what the second record was going to be. And uh, I decided on this one for two reasons. One, uh, it's one of, it's, it's one of the handful of musicals that I, I, I actually legitimately like as a show, 
you know, that, that I don't just like some of the songs in it. And then I sort of tolerate the rest of it as it unfolds. Cause I'm more of a straight play guy. I've been in a ton of musicals, but I prefer straight plays to, to musicals anyway. Um, but it's one of those shows that I think is, is as a show from like a musical show perspective, I can, I can uh, tolerate a lot more. And, and two, the other reason I send that to you is from a storytelling perspective, it's one of the first, it's one of my first times uh, just in my history of, of sort of encountering a, uh, a musical uh, and storytelling in theater or in musicals in particular that uh, has, was really thoughtful, that, that paid attention to the way the story is told in a kind of a minimalist way. There's ultimately only two characters in the show. They have to, you have to be able to get the fullness of their relationship in the story uh, that as it unfolds. The, the characters tell their story from opposite, opposite um, timelines. And so the, show, the first song in the show is actually the end of the show, you know, sung by the girl, by Kathy. And then the second song in the show is actually the second song in the show, you know, it, from the beginning, sung by the guy. And then, it, and then each duet of, of the show is a meet in the middle moment. And then it kind of branches out. Right. And when I was first exposed to this, I was first exposed to the show. Oh, gosh. In, in high school. Um, and up until then, I had never really, you know, I just never really thought of stories um, in general, but thought of stories, particularly on the stage, sort of being done like that, you know, with, with a kind of a wide variety of really contemporary music, like the show from a music standpoint is really contemporary. It's not a, it's not a dated show in a lot of ways. And so that's why I picked that record because it, 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 right. it was sort of a foundational record for me in, in how I think about the way I like to consume stories and the way I like to tell stories like uh, from like theater, from a theater perspective. Right. So I, my, my impression of that, um, I, I liked it. I liked the way that the story was told. Um, I felt kind of, I find, I kind of felt like, what's, what's her name? Catherine, the, the girl. Kathy, yeah. Kathy. She kind of got the raw end of the deal on that, in the way that that story is told, because she starts off kind of like hurt and <laughs> almost vindictive and, and and she kind of having heard that first, having that been the first thing that I absorbed through my ear holes, you mm -hmm. know, I kind of had this negative opinion of her throughout mm -hmm. the narrative. Right now, the first time you hear the guy, it's all sweet and love and roses. Right. Because that's the beginning of the story, you know. And so my my sh impression of the characters was shaped at the beginning of the story unfairly <laughs> mm. you know and it kind of took a it kind of made it harder to listen to for me um to to kind of really emotionally connect with both characters because i understood what was what was happening and the way that this the story was being told and it and it put me it put me in the bleachers so to speak mm. okay so like i i didn't feel any kind of um impact or motivation or inspiration um, from what was being said. 
I felt more like a, a spectator hmm. throughout the story, which is fine. And if, if that's the influence that you're drawing and on how to tell a good story, then that, then that fits perfectly well. But as far as uh, uh, an album of influence, the way that I was thinking about it, this one doesn't have that kind of resonance with me because it's kind of an open and shut case. There's not really, um, it, it's, it's really about those two characters and what those two characters are, are experiencing. And it's not really about what I'm experiencing. Um, it doesn't speak to me in that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, th th can there be parallels drawn between my experiences and their experiences? Sure. But uh, it, it really felt more like I was watching something rather than, than being in something or listening to something rather than being in something. So that's why I didn't have the same kind of connection with that one as I, as I did with the X clan. But not that it was a bad choice. <laughs> I'm not saying that it just, sure. it didn't, it didn't impact me the same way. I, I, I can appreciate, appreciate a, a well-told story i can appreciate a well-told play um but i can do that with a bunch of plays this one doesn't stick out do you understand what i'm saying i do i do i Me. do that no and i think that's okay i i, I understand there is a reason why i went for that one as a second one uh that i'm not you know i i don't i stand by uh for me I really I'm not like, trying to invalidate it. I know, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, I would really love to be in that show someday. That would be that, that's on my list of something to do before I get so old that I it doesn't it doesn't read <laughs> where they go. Why is that old guy singing? Um, but I, I always really uh, found for me, I always really found the the way the story unfold particularly when it becomes on the duet moments right so listeners the last five years is a love story it's about um uh two people who meet and then have a five-year relationship and then they break up and you know it ends with a breakup because the show begins with the breakup and so it's you're not really i'm not really giving anything away um and as we said the the story is told each song, uh, by and large, is a solo, it, it, and, and there's only a couple of duets, and those duets are when the storylines intersect. And so there's a big duet when they get married, because uh, as Kathy, the girl's story, starts from the end and works towards the beginning, and Jamie, the guy, starts at the beginning and works towards the end, they meet in the middle. Lifetimes for a million summers till the world explodes, till there's no one left who has ever known us What I like about that, other than I think it's a clever kind of storytelling device and I also like that the story is very lean. And so this is, this is one of the influential moments where, for me, where, where it's really shaped my taste for lean stories. Right. Um, I can see that. I, I, uh, and we, you and I have talked about this before. This is one of the reasons why I get frustrated with film as a medium mm -hmm. um, and, and why I like lots of movies but but i haven't really really loved a, a movie in a like a new movie in a long time 
um, because I really prefer stories that um, don't have a lot of, uh, of stuff around them. Like I don't mind long form stories. Like it's why I like TV. Like, like I don't, right. I don't mind sitting and watching um, uh, a big Netflix series that, that, that kind of is chock full of a lot of rich stuff, rich character development. Well, and it has, it has time to sort of um, tie up all the loose ends and has time to, to devote the, the necessary uh, attention to those different arcs. But I understand what you're saying as far as a lean story. Um, it's not really bogged down with a bunch of extemporaneous, uh, you know, other other things. It's really just about them, and that's and that's good. And and it's a very clever way of telling that story, and it's unique. I don't think I've seen another show like it. Um, mm. That so that I mean, it's a very unique story. And it, but it but you're right, it is very lean, and I can understand. It's easy to stay focused on it. You don't get distracted. Right, right. Because there's nothing, there's really nothing to be distracted by. Like, so, right. so the soundtrack you listen to, I actually like the best of, of a couple of versions, but it's from the movie. They did a movie of, of the last five years, like a kind of an independent movie in 2015. And uh, you can watch that. You can get a DVD of it or watch it on Amazon Prime if you're interested. It, I think, I think it's a pretty well-made version of it. And those, the soundtrack is from the film. Mm-hmm. And, and even in a film form, when, you know, you, you, you're meeting the, the woman that Jamie ends up sleeping with and, and there's, you know, you, there's more just bodies on the screen as they're walking, even then it's still very lean. Like they, they don't add a subplot or anything like that. Like it's, it's just them doing the story. Um, like I said, this this show really shapes that in me. But I think that this show, one of the things that is important to me about the show is because it's so lean, by the end of the show, you really understand both of these characters, like get the relationship. And if you've got really skilled actors in these roles, you can develop in front of your eyes over the course of 95 minutes, a uh, really earthy relationship right like you can you can and and the audience can witness that can watch these two characters uh become a couple on uh, going through kind of all aspects of it right like so so the first song is the 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 end like we said and that's yes it's just sung by her it's just sung by kathy but kathy's the only one on stage right and then kathy's next song um so the third song in the show is when Jamie comes to visit her in Ohio, you know, mm-hmm. and she's singing when she's performing in Summerstock and, and Jamie is there the whole time. Like Jamie, it, it's, it's staged and in, in the movie as Jamie essentially just being there silent and having a kind of a, the silent part of the argument with her. You know what makes me crazy? I'm sorry, can I say this? You know what makes me nuts? The fact that we could be together here, together sharing our night, spending our time, and you are gonna choose someone else to be with. No, you are. Yes, Jamie, that's exactly what you're doing. You could be here with me or be there with them. As usual, guess what you pick? No. And and what I find challenging and fascinating about that is because of how the story is told, you're supposed to be able to see a couple that has been together for five years having the final fight. Right. 
and it's not and 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 you're supposed to be able to watch that see that from you know and and know that there is history way in the back that you're about to watch but but the two actors know it and the and and are able to convey it to the audience and i think that when it's skillfully done i think it's uh it's really quite impressive and and i i don't know i'd like to know your take on this i i actually think the music is is really pretty good at least jamie's songs i think kathy gets yeah. the raw end of the deal for some of her songs i don't i think some of her songs are not as good as others i think the song summer in ohio is probably kathy's best song where she sings mm -hmm. about it's like the big show and musical number where she sings about uh hating being in ohio right <laughs> wanting to go home i could shove an ice pick in my eye i could eat some fish from last july but it wouldn't be as awful as a summer in ohio without cable hot water vietnamese food or you but but i think jamie um the actor who plays Jamie in the soundtrack is a guy named Jason Jordan, and he's like super handsome and, <laughs> and can sing, as you've heard, can just kind of sing as if it's the easiest thing in the world for him. He's just like, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and but I think Jamie's songs uh, consistently are the better songs. Well, and again, like I said, I I really think that the female got the raw end of the deal of that show because a lot of her song, if you listen it musically, instrumentally to a lot of her tracks, they're kind of jarring. They're kind of discordant. Some of them are little odd tempoed. You know, they're 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 sweet and beautiful at first and then that kind of carries that theme throughout even whenever mm. they're supposed to be sweet and beautiful it's hard to to fully invest in it because you know how how awful it's going to be because <laughs> you've already right. heard that part from her you know so right, right. uh like instrumentally uh, it's a lot of piano um it's complex it's not it's not you know count to four and uh play three chords you know it, it's mm -hmm. it's it's well crafted um instrumentally and musically uh, the performers are very good um but yeah it's definitely an interesting show <laughs> we'll see if cats does it one year here well we're gonna have to find somebody that can sing it so good luck with that well, between <laughs> yeah, well yeah well yeah yeah and i've been tasked with directing it so yeah, well i'm sure <laughs> Once you've achieved your Jedi powers, maybe you can find time to come back up and do that. I'd love to. I wouldn't mind doing that at all. I wouldn't mind uh, moving around. We'll see. I, I've got... Oh, brother. Well, I'm glad that you listen to these records and, and I'm grateful for your feedback and for your, yeah. your thoughts on them. I really am. I really am. For our next... Well, we, still, we of course, will still go through the records you gave me. Um, but for whenever we do another music thing, you're, you're going to I'm, it's going to be a struggle for me because I listen to a lot of growly music and <laughs> and uh, I have to try to find the right balance of something that I really like 
but not something that that I know you're just going to be like, no, I'm not listening to this. What am I going to? Well, listen I'll listen to it, but I I reserve the right to criticize it and mock you for it. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, one thing that will make your heart sing. Yesterday, my band had band practice. We we are with the pandemic. We haven't been playing out, but we've got a couple of shows lined up in the summer and in the fall, and a couple of benefit shows that we're trying to help people in the local community out. So we've been trying to still try to meet like once every week or two, so that we can, you know, introduce some new material and keep the old material fresh just mm-hmm. so that we're not terribly rusty whenever these events come up. And uh, yesterday we met and we, we were playing and a lot of times between songs, we will noodle around and, and goof off. And we did an impromptu version of Frantic off of the uh, St. Anger album. All right. All right. <laughs> I could we probably started... do an impromptu version of Frantic off of the St. Anger record right here. It. We just started playing it and we just kind of played the song and, and we stopped and we were all giggling and laughing in spite of ourselves. And uh, I was like, please tell me that you recorded that to our singer. And he's like, no, I didn't record it. Why? And I was like, oh, we need to send that to Ethan. Sent that to me. Clayton. Oh, my God. You give Clayton a, a trash can. Here, bang this trash can. Well, what, what prompted good. it was he went down to Harrisburg last week with a couple of other friends of ours to um this this custom drum maker down there mm-hmm. and uh he bought like a 700 hundred dollar snare drum that oh is gosh. it's brass like it's wow. not it's not it's not uh, a typical like maple drum it's a brass drum and it sounds really good but it's really thick it's it's probably i don't know 14 inches deep it's gigantic for a snare drum and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to sound like a kettle drum from from St. Anger. And then, and then we started playing it and he like popped the snare off. So he had that terrible Lars sound right. in, uh, <laughs> on St. Anger. That's what and we started playing that song just for shits and giggles. But, oh yeah, we do gosh. that stuff a lot. We just like, oh, I heard this song and I start playing a piece of it and then somebody else recognizes it. We just start jamming out <laughs> doing goofy stuff. That's good. I I listened to a, this is silly, but I listened to a YouTuber, like a YouTube personality content creator guy. His name is Gonillock. And he, his thing is that he is a, a skull ghost. Like it's about, it's a heavy metal thing. And he, he's just like this drawing of a skull and he's like, hello, you know, and he he does like, (laughs) like shows and, He's very funny, but but he did, does a, a bastardized histories of metal subgenres, and on his bastardized history of thrash metal, he's cracking jokes and he's he's loosely telling the story of like these bands, you know. And then we arrive at the big four: Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and that's it you know <laughs> doesn't doesn't mention anthrax anthrax you know? gets so screwed and oh. and, uh, and he's, he's talking about he talks about he's like then dave mustaine uh decided that he was going to quit metallica for alcohol consumption this sends their drummer <laughs> lars ulrich into a fit of depression where he throws himself out of a 10-story window shattering broke both of his arms and making it impossible to play the drums ever again <laughs> unfortunately the band didn't have the heart to fire him 
And so all the drumming on every record since then is just Lars. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for listening. This has been another Hookah Chats. Fat and Ethan. We'll see you next time.